0: Welcome to the 8 News Show. I'm your host, Andrew, and in today's episode, we have two of the members from Kimbrough Law here with me to discuss uh, this unprecedented time we're in, this uh, time of medical mandates, um, this time of experimentation upon the masses. Uh, For anyone out there who's just like me, I lost my job through the... uh, uh, I couldn't give my informed consent, Rosie, could I? (laughs) So uh, we, uh, I lost my job, and I'm sure there are thousands and thousands of people around the world, millions of people around the world, who are in the same position. So for all of those people here in Australia that follow my show, um, this one's for you. So with that being said, uh, Rosie, um, I'd just like to say hi. Thank you for joining us on the 8 News Show. You're here in Perth with me. And Peter, welcome to the 8 News Show. You're over in Queensland, is that correct? Brisbane? Uh, yes, Andrew, I'm in
1: all the, way, all the way near the top, up in
0: Cairns. Up basically. in Cairns. Welcome so much. I'm so glad you can join us via Zoom today. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us as well. So let's kick into it. Rosie, what is the reason that you went out to become a lawyer?
2: Well, I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest story. Version,
0: the brief version of it.
2: At the very brief one, um, we were happily ensconced in a farm, foolishly decided that we wanted to subdivide. We didn't know the bank did the dirty on us. We lost everything to the bank. Um, then we sued the bank for damages, and they settled that one out of court. And while all of this was happening, I decided I couldn't understand how the bank won when it was obviously fraud. So I started my law degree and in two and a half years, I got my law degree with Honours and then I sort of thought right at the end of it, I wouldn't mind becoming a lawyer and helping other people. And that's how I sort of came to be a lawyer late in life.
0: Wow. So you studied law... Just to figure out all of this.
2: <laughs> yes, I did. And
0: and as a, as an a, a, an older, a mature age student.
2: None of this older. I'm 21.
0: <laughs> You're only 21. I know, Rosie. No. Um, so, but you didn't even consider it com- becoming a lawyer. You just went and no. did all of that work. Right.
2: I was going to do nothing but write about how bad the banks are. Yep. And for the longest time I was pushing for... A royal commission into banking and then when we finally got the royal commission our case was excluded so they weren't even going to listen to all of the things that had happened to us and thousands of other people.
0: Yeah well the entire system's rigged up against this and I think the one thing that the mandates have shown us this scamdemic has shown us is that uh that's blatantly obvious now and um if you don't see that anyone out there in in the wider world then uh get out from under your rock. Uh, Peter, welcome to the 8 News Show. Thank you for being with us. Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and um, what motivates you as a lawyer?
1: Um, I've, I, I went to University straight out of school, so my story's not as colourful as Rosie's, but um, I went into the law because I like to help people. And I've been in various form, um, areas of law, but um, when the pandemic hit, I've... I just found myself questioning the um, questioning all the rules and regulations that the government were coming out with, and just finding them bizarre. To be honest, and um, at the same time, I had plenty of clients contacted me to to say that they've been subject to discrimination and and um, restrictions. And uh, as a result of that, I reached out to um, Raymond in late, late late last year, and um, here we are now. From
0: Six months later or eight months later, and right, heavily so involved in um,
1: fighting
0: for people's um, human rights. So you're one of the good guys, Peter. Um, I think one of the other things we've all realised um, in this world of post pandemic, post scamdemic, I've got to stop saying that word pandemic, oh. it was not a pandemic, um, is that uh, leaders in all professions, in or should I say leaders in the professions that are the pillars of society, uh, have failed us drastically and lawyers being one of the most blaringly obvious failures. I mean, I think the medical or the healthcare system is the biggest failure, but uh, both of you, Rosie and Peter, uh, have clearly the right intentions here. You're on the side of humanity. Well, is that, what, is I, that fair I'm call? on the
2: side of the little,
0: people, the little who, people who
2: didn't have a say in any of this none of us got to have a say.
0: We sure didn't, Peter. What about you? I don't want to comment too much on my profession, obviously. Don't, um, no. But, uh, no.
1: Abso- uh, absolutely, we're in this because um, um, the very reason for our existence, in my view, is to
0: help people who are in need. Absolutely. I, just, I saw, it, yeah. I saw it, people that were screaming for help. Yeah. Look, I just want to make the distinction that... Um, uh, I'm just going to pick on the big corporates, particularly here in WA, they're the miners. Uh, none of those people, they all have big legal teams, I know that for a fact, but none of them <laughs> realised that uh, they 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 were in the wrong. The, the state government here in Western Australia had no ground to call that mandate. They did it purely, what was the term? Uh, through delegated legislation. Is that right? Is that a fair call?
2: I think that's a fair call.
0: What do you think, Peter? Is that a fair call? Oh, it
1: certainly is. The public health. The, every state has very broad public health acts and um, those acts allow for quite extensive delegated authority to uh, certain individuals, usually the chief health officer of the state, to make um, rules and regulations uh, a direction affecting
0: people. Yeah, they can. it allows them to fly by the seat of their pants, right, and do whatever the hell they want as long as they have done it via this emergency declaration. Yes. These emergency declarations are a little bit of an issue. I think that's something that needs to be looked into in the future. There's uh, got to be some serious rules around that, right? Rosie's cracking up. Am I pushing things a little bit too far there, Rosie?
2: No, I'm, no? I'm just – I think I'm way too cynical from my – life experience to really buy into this emergency after two and a half years. Yeah. The the very definition of an emergency is something that is unforeseen and it, it's really, really bad.
3: Mm.
2: And, I mean, by the time the Western Australian mandates came in, <laughs> I, I I'm still struggling to see how it was... An emergency.
0: It well, wasn't. Well, that's right. I mean, all everyone in Western Australia, and we're just picking on Western Australia, right, because we're here in Western Australia, but um, we'd, we'd gotten through the emergency. Uh, we'd succeeded to do that. Uh, every, people who could work from home worked from home. People who couldn't worked on the site with all the um, proper procedures in place to restrict the uh, the transmission of these so-called viruses, and that worked exceedingly well. But then after the fact, they brought in these mandates, these worker mandates, mandating uh, an experiment, a medical experiment on the entire population. That is one freakishly uh, demonic act.
2: See, my problem when they started talking about I got quite concerned when they started talking about bringing in mandates in Western Australia. And by the time the mandates were actually signed, we had one active case mm. that was recovering mm. and that one had been a blow-in on a ship. But they already knew that the TGA website, the DAN, had reported Over 620 deaths from the vaccine. And the TGA said, Well, we've looked through all of these records and there's only nine. Mm. And I'm there. They they took an awful lot of liberties taking a doctor's report that says, I had this healthy patient, They, they took a vaccine, and then lo and behold, they're no longer healthy. Yeah. But the TGA, in its wisdom, some bureaucrat went through that and said, oh, no, no, they they didn't die from the vaccine. It was some other coincidental thing.
0: Yeah, look, the um, TGA have so many questions to be answered. I mean, just simply looking at um, the past couple of months here, I'm literally going to say seven weeks ago, they put out an alert withdrawing um, a pawpaw cream from the supermarkets because it... uh, There was a little bit of a skin irritation it was causing with some people, yet we have still active uh, jabs, batches, active vaccine. I don't want to call it a vaccine. Active batches of this so-called jab uh, that's literally killing people, but not once have they ever put out an alert about those batches or withdrawn a batch or there's been no discussion whatsoever about that and that, I think, needs to be seriously investigated. So, Rosie, is that what triggered you into investigating more from a legal perspective?
2: Um, For me, it was because my husband was going to be mandated and I thought he had enough issues without them... Piling on top with something that was rushed to production.
0: Okay. So your husband, husband was one of those people, like there, like so many. There, are, I mean, literally tens of thousands yeah. of cases in every community where somebody had a particular medical situation that put them into a, an at risk category, at risk from the vaccine category, uh, but yeah. the government wouldn't allow that. Um.
2: There were no exemptions to be had and every doctor said exactly the same thing, it's which kind of at the time, oh, it just really triggered me. Let's,
0: oh, yeah. Let,
2: let's be honest.
0: Oh, look, oh, so, oh, Rosie, um, I know a man uh, who, whose doctor told him you are at serious risk of death with the condition that you have if you take that jab and yet that man cannot get a, an exemption from it. So, um, sorry if this triggers anyone. I think it's safe to say that this was uh, far more than a public health issue. Or I actually would go as far to say that this is a depopulation program. I don't know if that's uh, going too far for you legal types, but uh, I think there is a whole lot of evidence for that. Um, moving on to you, Peter, what was it that triggered you about this situation? What was it that sparked your interest to look into these this scandemic a little deeper. Well,
1: um, Western Australia is, is the same as Queensland in a in, in large extent, but the mandates that were brought in here just, they had no consistency to them. Like, um, you could only have, what was it, ten at a funeral, but you could have, you know, hundreds or tens of thousands go to a football game, for instance. It was just... Mm. You were just questioning, the science. obviously, without getting into the science and the medical side of it, you're just questioning, well, clear, clearly, if you can only have ten at one event and tens of thousands at another, what's going on
0: here? Do you, do you think that some of the so-called experts were actually, um, I'm saying the so-called medical experts were actually economists? And I mean that very cynically, and I don't even think that's the right way of putting it, but... Um, Do you think that some of these experts were people who were involved in the public purse strings? Do you think that possibly some of these decisions were made on an economic basis? I mean, what? I will
2: agree that um, there are too many people who have direct links to organisations that you would expect them not to be linked to making decisions about things... Where they have a personal gain. Mm, yes. So as far as corruption goes, I think we have to have a really big inquiry into that.
0: Well we sure because do.
2: Corruption is an issue. And when you make a financial gain out of forcing a whole country to get vaccinated, that's an awful lot of dollars and cents that might be piling up in your your back pocket that mm. we really have a right to know about.
0: Look, it's just mind-boggling, isn't it, um, the the length and the breadth of this corruption, which it clearly is, uh, because, I mean, you think about all of the little privately owned shops, the corner stores, the restaurants, the little food, the lunch bars, you name it, not allowed to operate, but the, the big corporates are. Uh, talk about a wealth grab
2: I had a really big problem with, I could go to Coles, I could go to Woolworths, I mm. could go into the Bunnings, but I couldn't support the small shops. No, yeah. And, you know, I couldn't go out for a cup of coffee in one of the small shops, but I could go into the the forum and I could go yeah. and have a coffee there. And
0: you could easily sit online and order for a package to be delivered, of course, the delivery drivers going to the infected houses was not an issue at all, potentially going to an infected house. So any of that was not an issue, as long as Bill Gates and, you know, old mate from Amazon, I can't even think of the douchebag's name, but all those people um, uh, increasing their wealth by 10 times in that period, in that just that one-year period, was just incredible. Uh, do you honestly think, uh, both of you, question for you, do you honestly think we'll ever get to the bottom of this? Because I highly doubt
2: it. It's very complex. It's extremely and, complex. Um, let, let's face it, there's a lot of people who are risking reputations to expose this because we saw reputations totally destroyed at the beginning. Mm. Any doctor who spoke out and said, well, this is a treatment that works, Mm. they were all called quacks. Mm -hmm. They were deregistered. They Mm -hmm. were hounded. Previous studies were taken away from the the journals where they had been published. Yeah. It was a systematic destruction of of careers. That's right. And most people are hesitant to risk their career. And I, I kind of have to go on the record as saying I'm not welded to my career. Mm. I am welded to my morals and my ethics.
0: Where everyone should be. And I think one of the, the, the short-sighted, um, short-sighted aspects of a doctor's position was that, that, yeah, short-term gains, but, hey, I've got a message for you, quacks. Can you send me a number? Because I don't trust any of the other doctors now. That's where it's at, right? So I think a lot of people in the future are going to be looking for the doctors that were deregistered. Uh, I don't think anyone wants to deal with any of those doctors anymore unless you've you've bought into the lie. Peter, what about you? What Did we get into sort of the side of this? That did, did you get out everything you wanted to say about this in terms of why you're fighting against this... Uh, these people that have enabled this?
1: I just think there's a huge inequality and a, and a huge unfairness to it all. So I, that, that really riles me up until I want to get to the bottom of it and mm. help these people that are being bullied into, um, into following, doing, doing what they're told if they want to
0: go to work. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. It really is, and I mean, um, what, what you guys are talking about is really the starting point, right? We need to get all of the workers, all of the people on the, that w- that suffered from the front line positions, we need to get them all sorted out first, one step at a time, and then we'll work our way up that pyramid. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about the mandates and human rights aspects, and why or um, let's get into the legal side of it, you guys, why is it... Actually, where would you like to start? Peter, Rosie, who who wants to speak first? Where are we going with this? Um, Should we start with the human rights side of it? Um,
2: Actually, start with Peter because... His is a really good jumping off spot for everything that I'd like to say.
0: Sounds great. So, Peter, what do you want to talk about first? Are we going to talk about the aspects of the mandate that are legally questionable or do we want to go with human rights first? It's up to you. Off you go. Uh, look, I
1: was, I was just going to cover off some examples of how we've helped people to, to, to this point. Um, like, for instance, I've had a client who could wear a mask. Um, their employer took issue with that. Um, so the client went and got a... Mass exemption from his doctor to comply with the state government requirements. Um, even though the the employee had that, the employer then decided they didn't like it and fired him anyway. So we took that we took him to fair uh, we took the client took him to Fair Work and Made a general protections application, um, and they were successful in at the mediation in getting a payout from their employer. So. We, we, we are having some success with Fair Work, but obviously there are some issues with Fair Work at the same time in relation to vaccine mandates. Um, that's one example. Another example is there's, we've got a group of workers in Western Australia who we're helping. We wrote out to uh, the state government and various um, private sector employers um, with, a barri- with, with, a de- with a detailed barrister. I believe it was 70-odd pages, Rosie, wasn't it, from memory?
2: Yeah, um, something like that.
1: And um, that 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 advice had de- was, had detailed um, discussion and on the law around ha- how um, the mandates were infringing on individuals' rights, people's rights, um, their human rights, and 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 discrimination. Um, that was sent out in late April. Uh, it was we know it was brought to the attention of the state government because we had a letter from the state solicitor's office. Um, so I'm fairly confident that
0: that was drawn to the upper 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 levels of government. Uh, that's interesting. What what are you were able to discuss? Um, just generally speaking, what that letter was addressing with you?
1: It was addressing. It was adri- it was a, Primarily, it was addressing a section. Uh, the there's a, there's a there's a there's a Commonwealth legislation called the Australian Immunisation Register Act, which outlines um, people's rights to have their vaccination status and other medical information kept private and confidential uh, It's called what they call protected information so the, the act makes it pretty clear uh, on our barrister's advice cover that covers it often in, very in, in detail but the act makes it clear that uh, your employer has no right to re- request your vaccination status from the immunization register. Um, so we made that clear to the employers that they were, that by asking for their employees to give that information, they're actually breaching the law.
0: Yep. And what did they say? What do they say to that? Uh, was, I know what my employer said. Too bad. Those so various
1: employers that took the position that look get lost, Well, from from getting from get lost to look, we don't think we. Some employers took an absolutely absurdly broad view of, of the. The Immunisation Register Act, which made it made an absurdity of the protections in the Act, but um, and there was we even had one response where <laughs> they waited until after we after the mandates had been dropped in Western Australia before responding and saying, "I oh, look, they've dropped the mandates now, so we're not going to bother responding."
0: Yeah. In that case, I'm really interested in that. Um, what's the legal position in that situation? I mean. The, the they can't just wait till the mandates have been dropped and then said, oh, sorry, it's all over now. You, sorry, we, we can just move on. That, that's, that can't happen, right? Because I think personally, as soon as you said that, I thought, well, hang on a minute, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there thinking the same thing. Can you just speak to that just for one moment? Well, look, the, the employees of that particular
1: employer could could obviously take that, that matter further and but at this stage, they haven't done that. Um, but right. Certainly, yeah. if, but if, they've, if they've requested that, that those employees' private information, then that the, the breach of the legislation has
0: already occurred. So just because the manager yeah. doesn't doesn't change their position, yeah, that's right. So just I just wanted that point to come out for the audience that uh, just because an employer says so doesn't make it so. And I think there's a lot no. of people out there. There are a lot of employers attempting to. Well, bully, but bamboozle for the want of a better term. Um, I look.
1: I, I, really, I really should point out that the work, workplace laws have are very clear that an employer can tell you what to do as long as it's 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 either reasonable or, and or lawful. Um, now, a lot of these employee employers are asking employees to do things to to hmm. to do something which requires them to breach the law. So it's clearly unlawful. I'll give you an example of that. I've got, I know of a person who went to her doctor and um, told her doctor that she was being, uh, she was under a mandate and had to get vaccinated. And her doctor said, "Look, you're, you're not, you're not able to give me consent. And if you can't give me consent, then I can't, I can't vaccinate you because I need your free, and voluntary consent to vaccinate you." So she went back to her employer and said, "Look." I can't be vaccinated because my, my doctor can't vaccinate me. And so in, in that circumstance, the employer is acting unreasonably, and if not unlawfully, enfor- enforcing that employee to be vaccinated.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, moving on, what next do we want to talk about? Where, what other aspects of this mandate from either a human rights perspective or current legislation... I've Where, just got one more point, wrong?
1: Andrew, that was, I found rather curious. Um,
0: yeah.
1: You you may recall that the on ABC Radio on the 31st of May, the, they were reporting that, look, the mandates are here to stay. Yes. In Western Australia.
0: Yes, um, I do recall that.
1: Later, later that day, we actually wrote a letter to the Premier directly and the Chief Health Officer, and I know that it went directly to them because I sent it directly to them, um, Attaching a barrister's advice, detailing how they're breaking the law with their mandates and their um, access access to um, restrictions of access directions. I find it extremely curious that the Premier and the Chief Officer obviously have have publicly stated different reasons why they dropped the mandates, but I find it extremely curious that that letter went out at, at around midday on the 31st of May, and the next morning the I believe it was the Premier's out on the radio saying that the mandates are being dropped, effective from the tenth of June. I, th- I find that extraordinarily curious.
0: It is a little bit curious. Do you think that um, you were the only people sending letters to that department? Absolutely not. But we, we, we were just
1: we were we were just we were just one that was that was sending advice to the to the premier that that involved um, uh, detailed legal analysis from a barrister. So we're yeah. I'd imagine that it had a fair bit of weight, but
0: I'd imagine that there would be hundreds if not thousands of people that were writing to him as well. I'm sure there were. Do you two, just as a side note, um, as lawyers, do either of you have just a very general concept of the number of cases being put forward in this current fight for human freedom? We we couldn't even put a number on it, eh? Hey? Um,
2: I can tell you that in America at the moment... There's over sixteen thousand cases being fought in the Supreme Court.
0: In the Supreme Court alone?
2: Um was it the Supreme Court? Around around the States. They've got different yeah. courts. Yeah. And it's sixteen over sixteen thousand, all to do with the mandates. Yeah. Um I know that there's some really interesting arguments out there and they are winning. They're starting to win in America.
0: Yeah, and there's starting to be a few wins over here as well. It's a little bit slower. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's fair to say that, I mean, we look at other countries like America and go, oh, look at the corruption over there. But uh, the corruption in our own backyard is just as significant as in any other country. That's for for certain. Uh, Okay, so, Rosie, what about... What about you? Is there any aspects of this that you think are particularly important to speak about? Because I know yes. that there's so many people out there thinking about their particular case and probably wondering why we haven't mentioned that yet.
2: Look, um, I've really turned into this um, this person who really, really reads all of the human rights legislation. Mm-hmm. And I have picked up a number of flaws and I'm, I'm at the stage where I'm thinking, how's everybody missed this for so long? But the one that really... Well, let's, let's put it into terms that I'm allowed to, to say. Mm-hmm. What gets my goat is that the Fair Work Commission at the moment has put out a few decisions where they have said, absolutely with 100% certainty, that Australians do not have the right to work.
0: Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? This this department that was set up to represent employees, now it represents the employers slash the government. Yeah. Another talking, another mouthpiece for the government.
2: Yeah, and um, there was a case. It's Ashley Mitchell versus Kinder Capers Holdings. That's... 2022, Fair Work Commission 892.
3: hmm
2: And it is in that one where essentially, you know, the, the Commissioner says there is no right to work that's legislated and I, I think that I could, with my limited experience, actually become a Commissioner of the Fair Work Commission mm. because... Um, I would give you three guesses as to which piece of legislation contains the right to work, but you'll only need one.
0: Yes. Uh, Isn't it fascinating the way just mysteriously legislation that's um, been in existence in Australia for 50-odd years or more just suddenly doesn't... It's not there anymore. It's just... It's selective thought processes, isn't it?
2: So I have actually printed it out for me to remember at all times.
0: Okay, so So this is the the right to work. The
2: the right to work.
0: Enshrined in our...
2: In our legislation. Mm -hmm. um, It comes from the International Covenant on Economic, Social and Cultural Rights. The Australian Treaty Series number, if you want to look it up, is 1976 ATS 5 Done at Place and Time, that was in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, The Treaty Status, it's in force. Treaty Status Australia, in force. Agreement uh, type, multilateral. Subject of treaty is human rights. And then it goes on. And then the Australian implementation requirements. So it had to be put into a fair bit of legislation. Mm. And the very first one was the Industrial Relations Reform Act 1983, number 98 of 1993, which, guess what? That became the Fair Work Act. So it is in our legislation, and I would have loved to have been able to do an appeal on the Mitchell matter, because I'm, I'm sorry, I think they're wrong, just as they were wrong to... You know, wrap Deputy President Dean over the knuckles for daring to speak out against yeah. the mandates mm. in her decision in Kimber. Um, absolutely, Deputy President Dean was correct, and um, you know she had to go into a re-education camp. <laughs> I'm being cynical. No, well,
0: well they,
2: they said she just had to do a little bit more training.
0: Yeah, but but it's it's a, it's re it's re education, isn't it? It's it's an Orwellian I'm, thing that they're talking about.
2: I, I tend to get stressed about this because when I studied my degree, mm. um, I was always worried that because of my experience, where we were absolutely thrown under the bus by the legal system, there was no way that we could win, but we had all of the evidence. Yeah. So why didn't we win? When we should have. So my whole degree, I went down every single rabbit hole until I understood it properly. Mm. I didn't just take the lecturer's word for it that, oh, and this section of this act means... I actually read far and wide and I read case law where lawyers were arguing that's the wrong interpretation.
3: Mm.
2: So for me now having come as far as i have and always putting you know my ethics and morals and you know what's right and wrong right up front yeah i feel confronted by the fair work commission saying there is no right to work in australia well, it is it? absolutely written in law and the legislation is the fair work act
0: well, Rosie, I feel fairly confronted about that as well. Um, Peter, do you feel confronted about that? Look,
1: I mean, that's just one example of,
0: of, of things that are... Confronting? The
1: has been made that's, that's um, in my view, wrong.
0: Yeah, well, let's talk about another example that that's, um, confronts well, you. We
1: can talk about we can talk about the letter we've written to the Human Rights Commission recently. I'll let Rosie do
0: that. Well, do we want it yeah Okay, let's talk about that.
2: So um, we, as Kimberley Law, decided to offer assistance for people to put a complaint to the Australian Human Rights Commission about any of all and all of the human rights abuses that they have suffered in Western Australia mm-hmm. because it was a broad range. And we we charged money for it Um the very, very first one that we actually assisted with, Mm -hmm. two days after the gentleman had submitted it, he got an email back from the Australian Human Rights Commission saying, oh, no can do. We can't look at these abuses because it only applies to a Commonwealth department. (laughs) So I'm I'm kind of thinking. I see. So I'll keep reading through. And then you know you can only make a, a complaint about racism if it's in done in public. And it's like okay. And then I keep reading through, and suddenly, oh no! State governments and businesses can do whatever they like. Like the Australian Human Rights Commission can't look into it. And mm. look, as far as my, my my legal career goes, I'm sort of thinking. I, I have to stand up. For two and a half years, we've had our human rights absolutely oh, 100%, annihilated.
0: One hundred percent we have, and I'm sitting here right now, and I'm sure many of the audiences I'm thinking WTF uh, what what the hell? I mean, this is another classic example of um, we the public – now, you two are lawyers, so I'm going to put you guys off onto the side of probably slightly upper step than than me, along with all the other people who are not part of the legal system or don't have an understanding of it. But in so many cases in um, in our – or should I say the general public's understanding of the system these days – we're all led to believe that we have things like human rights um, that uh, you know if someone comes along and uh, you know just you know denies you access to employment or or you know any of these we can talk about racism all this stuff but any of these aspects where you've just simply as a human being been abused we all expect that the, the Human Rights Commission and the, and the treaties that have been signed and all that, uh, they all measure up to all the things that we're sold in the media all the time. And, I mean, I could think of so many examples of this. I mean, even just the fact that you think that you can go and see a doctor and that doctor will use all of their own training and skill to treat you, to heal you, when in actual fact they're being directed by a foreign body and by pharmaceutical companies who, by the way, pay for their regular training throughout the year. They pay for them to learn about their new drugs and they pay, and here's the conspiracy side of it, I'll just throw that out, but um, it's not a theory, it's a conspiracy. They pay for the mindset to be developed around the pharmaceutical industry, i.e., that it's there to help you, to help you get healthy and to help you get better. I'm sorry, people, but it's not. It's there to drain your bank accounts wholly and solely. They're not interested in making you healthy. Now, we're not talking about the ER department at the hospital. When you go in and you've got your leg broken and your lungs hanging out your chest, they are there to help you get better. But, But when you go with an ailment to the doctor, that doctor's literally there unless they're a conscious, uh, more pure kind of human being, they're literally there to prescribe you a drug, full stop, one that's made by a pharmaceutical company. So in the same, um, if, we, if we want to just compare it to human rights, we all think that we have the right to, to live a, um, a safe and prosperous life, but the truth is we're not.
2: Um Can I get back to the right to work? Please. Do you know what the obligation is for a government?
0: Uh, Tell me all about their obligations. I I, I I thought I had a social contract with the government, but I can see that they've broken that with me. um,
2: the right to work has also put an obligation on the government to ensure that the economy and every other system that they control, so providing training and everything else makes it easier for you to work Mm -hmm. so that you can enjoy the right to work. And what did our government do? They absolutely threw us under the bus. Big time. And ignored the fact that, well, a state party actually does have to guarantee. You, you, You can't force people to give someone a job, but you can certainly make sure that the citizens are educated to get the jobs that they mm-hmm. want, that, you know, the economy's rocking along so that people support the artists, the, the people support the museums and all of the other places and, where you might want to work. And the,
0: and the systems are in place to enable those people to access those jobs. I mean, that's right. we're, we're, and that's part of what's gone on here. On here. Um, from no matter what angle you look at, What's the government? The government's been extremely clever in cutting off our access to all these things. So, um, where, for example, um, I could go, or I could work from home during the pandemic, the scamdemic. I could work from home, but then after the scamdemic, the mandates came in, and no longer was I able to work from home. So my access to the job because I came under workplace restrictions or restrictions of entry, um, I can no longer perform my task, even though Mm. I was doing it successfully. So they've cut off my access to a
2: job. But not only that. We've had numerous examples of that,
1: where people were quite successfully working from home, and then their
0: employer changes the, changes the rule book and they, can't, they, can't they can no longer and they get fired. That's what I'm saying. And so yeah. instead of the government supporting the employee's position on the right to access employment, they've encouraged these companies to act as proxies to them and um, they've cut us off.
2: See, one of the problems with lawyers dealing with this is lawyers rely on evidence. You can't just make a bold assertion that something happened...
3: Yeah,
2: But I've heard too many people say they have seen the documents where employers are paid a bonus or there's a tax break or whatever if you have vaccinated workers. Mm, well, And I, I need that well, information. Well, let's talk about that. Because we rely on evidence. The only thing that I as a lawyer want to do is I want to look at the law I want to look at the action and I want to look at the evidence and then I want to see, has the government broken the law? And at this stage, that's a resounding yes and it's actually the Criminal Code Compilation Act, Criminal Code Act. Asked that they've they preached the Criminal Code.
0: But Rosie, surely we're drowning in evidence I mean, here's a great one. And actually, no, I'm not going to say that right now. I do want to, I want to, I want to make a comment about T- Kerry Stokes uh, received $25 million in the JobKeeper program and didn't pass one cent of it on to his employees.
2: See, that's a, a matter of... Um,
0: that's a different matter, he, I know. No,
2: be, because this is so broad... Um, you know, like I can only do one thing. I do want to look at the corruption because, to me, it was a concerted effort. I mean, one of the issues I have is that um, one of the mining companies, which I'll remain nameless, mm-hmm. because you know, there's we're lots not going of to mention
0: company names, yet. and no,
2: not at this stage. But you know, whoever's working there will know it was that company.
0: Yeah,
2: under the roll-up for WA vaccination clinic program. They set up a vaccination clinic at the airport. They set up vaccination clinics in the Pilbara and they had all of their employees, all of the employees' families, all of the support staff in the Pilbara vaccinated through that clinic Mm -hmm. and they were paid for every vaccination. Mm -hmm. So not only did they push the, the mandates, they then got a benefit for every person that they've vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And I want to see those figures. I, yep. I want to see the figures. I know it happened and I know that there is a contract.
0: So I just want to quickly interject that anyone listening to this discussion right now, if you have that evidence, please ensure that you stay with us to the end of this program because we're going to talk about how you can submit that evidence to the these great people from Kimbrey Law. So... uh Any more discussion about human rights and and, and, and the government denying us access? I mean, sorry, isn't it, for both of you, isn't it a human right to be able to access uh, a doctor and get the right advice from a doctor?
2: Well, there's also the Hippocratic Oath. Well... So, you know, the doctors actually... APRA is stopping the doctors from from doing the right thing Mm -hmm. and some of the doctors who ended up not practicing anymore actually had legal advice to say that if you vaccinate someone because APRA tells you to Mm
3: -hmm. and
2: you do not look at the patient in front of you, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: if anything goes wrong, your indemnity insurance is invalid Mm -hmm. and you'll lose everything.
0: And, I mean, we know, well, I know personally of of dozens of examples of people going in and, um, first of all, not being, um, they've had the jab, they've had the scandemic jab uh, with no signed consent form. That's all part of it. All the the law around the distribution of these things has been... um, brushed under the carpet and so many examples. I know there's a lot of people out there that went into their doctors or into one of these jab clinics and they signed their waiver form, but there's, that's not the end of it. A lot of people didn't have a waiver form. A lot of people just arrived. They said, oh, you know, Mr. Andrew Hughes, Oh, yes, that's me. Oh, sit down here, you know, a little bit of alcohol on the arm, bang in with a jab. Okay, thanks very much. See you later. And... Mm-hmm. Now we're getting, I know of a case down here in Western Australia, in the south of Western Australia, where one of these doctors had sent a load of their patients off to the local pharmacy and several of them have died. Now this guy's committed suicide. That's awful. The the tragedy around this, um, not only did this guy have a couple of deaths, he's had a couple of people paralysed as well all by one of these jabs who, um, where there was already public, publicly available information about the danger of the batch number of that particular jab. But mm-hmm. once again, the government denied us the human right to proper protections and they, they still haven't withdrawn any of these
2: batches. See, one of the things that people forget is that the directions are unlawful and unreasonable mm-hmm. because of the immunisation handbook. Yep. Because the immunisation handbook is very, very clear.
0: Which, by the way, for all of the audience, comes directly out of the um, Health Care Act. It's not something separate. It's not something nice to have. It's a summarised guide for this very important subject matter.
2: And it says
0: mm-hmm. you
2: cannot immunise someone without ...informed consent Consent. without coercion. By their very nature, mandates are coercive. They were never enforceable. And every lawyer who said they are reasonable and enforceable... I'm sorry, no, you're wrong.
0: Well, but you combine it with the threat. You combine it with the, the threat of the loss of your livelihood which is, again, going against our human rights. But when you do that, that then becomes mental torture. Yes, And absolutely. I know I had... And listen, everyone, I'm one of the people that went through this. I know I had uh, two four-day sessions not able to get off the lounge in the early days when I was facing that... I was facing all my demons about this, right? So... I'm sure there are thousands of people out there who are going to listen to this that know exactly what I'm talking about, but when it hits you and you realize you're screwed if you do and screwed if you don't, there's nowhere else to go. It hit the true depression kicks in, and it's uh it's not pleasant uh, but thankfully, myself and many other people have gone through this have been able to get our minds straight, stay healthy rise above it and see a new way to, to life. And that's why I'm here right now, everyone. I'm actually a flying flyout fly-out mining worker. No more. I'm not really a podcaster. I'm not really a journalist. I'm not really any of these things. But uh, So from that aspect, I've got to thank the government and I've got to thank my employer for opening my eyes to a new way of life <laughs> and for giving me the opposi- opposition to give them a bit of a punch back.
2: Do you, so you want to hear you. a funny story, though? I'd love to. So do you remember, you know, for a long, long time, our doctors? You would go in to see a doctor, and I'm prone to this one, so you know, okay. enjoy my cynicism. Mm-hmm. But you show up to the doctor, and it didn't matter what it was. If you were a smoker, stop smoking. Yeah. And every other solution was go on a diet and eat healthy, take some vitamin supplements. Um one of the doctors who approached us got into trouble with ARPRA. Not once, not twice, but three times. Yep. For daring to tell people to go on a diet and eat healthy. Unreal, isn't it? And this had nothing to do with the vaccinations. She wasn't doing any advice on that.
0: Hey, just as a side note, do you know that doctors um if anyone doesn't know this it's worth checking out. But uh You go to study medicine at university. I think you do something like a two-week course on healthy eating. Uh, It's known very well through research that a healthy gut means a healthy body. Um, But yet, again, here's the conspiracy in it, everyone. The doctors are really only there to to learn how to prescribe drugs.
2: I was in a Zoom meeting where one of the doctors said... um, he was a bit distressed because a friend of his, who was still radiographer, you know, the yeah. guys that, that get the reports from the doctors, you know, do these, run these, you know, do X-rays on these. Yeah. Um. The guy was saying that doctors now don't know how to identify the bone. Yeah. They don't use the name. They say, oh, you know, the bone between the knee and the ankle.
0: Are you serious? That frightens me, um, Peter. Please jump in at any moment. Um, that really frightens oh, me. Oh, look, as, much, as much as it's startling about doctors, it's not really in my field, so I can't really comment. No, well, department. I mean, look, i here on this podcast. We've uncovered quite a lot. Um, I'll just run through a couple of them. Doesn't matter what state you're in in Australia. If you go in with um, a, you've had a, a bad reaction to the to the jab, they literally say to you everything's okay, you're having a completely normal adverse reaction. I mean, it's I, 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 I didn't actually snicker on purpose there, everyone. It's literally that ludicrous that it makes me laugh. You're having a completely normal adverse reaction. That's actually a really good sign because it means that the injection is working. I'm sorry, people, but double think like that. He's going to get you into trouble.
2: That's not even double-think. That's gaslighting. It's
0: gaslighting. And I'd just like to add that the government does not love you, people. The government does not love you.
2: I won't mention any single people in the government, but he doesn't love you either.
0: There is a particular man that I'm thinking of as well, and he clearly doesn't love his own children because one of them was hurt by it. He clearly doesn't love any of the children because... Despite the fact that we were told for, what, 18 months that children were never going to be susceptible to this, that they would never be affected by this scandemic, Uh, and yet now here the government are, hardcore on the push to inject five-year-olds. Five and up. Oh, you qualify now. Oh, isn't it wonderful news? Oh, the celebrations in mainstream media about it. It's just wonderful news, Rosie.
2: Um, one of um, the things that I find disturbing is um, I've seen a letter that the chief health officer has sent out to parents mm-hmm. saying, Dear parent, I note that your child has not had the flu vaccine. Yes. We're... Would you like to get on with that one, please? Mm. And I'm thinking, I don't remember the government ever telling parents to get their children to have the flu
0: vaccine. You know what we need to do? We need to do a series where we take all of these statements and just rewrite them with the truth. It's <laughs> like, oh, oh, dear parent, would you like to take the flu vaccine? Now, we manufactured it from last year's flu virus that has no nothing in common with this year's new flu virus because it's completely mutated now. But we're going to give you last year's. It's going to make you incredibly sick and it won't protect you for the flu this year. Hey, thank you. That'll be $38, please. Or whatever.
2: Well, this year you can get it free. Because the taxpayer is paying this one because we're all so dedicated. I'm sure that I'm really thrilled to be paying all of this.
0: Um, Peter, are you thrilled as a taxpayer to be paying for um, a, a fake solution? That's what the flu var, the flu injections are. It's a it's a fake solution. It actually doesn't cover you for anything. It's that's the real science. Oh,
1: look, I won't talk about any particular, any particular
0: um, Yes, I know. I'm speaking to lawyers here. here. <laughs> but we've, for years and years and years, we
1: had the Liberal Party's um, the Liberal Party in particular pu- pushing um how, was, how we couldn't have huge deficits, and now suddenly. The, at the Commonwealth level anyway, the, we've got an, an, a, a, an enormous deficit. Uh, so there's been a huge change
0: of policy there. Well, but, we've, um, we've, we've tr- more than tripled our national debt.
2: And it's been a, straight into the pharmaceutical companies, from yep. what I can gather. Nothing went anywhere oh, except for the um, quarantine camps.
0: Oh, yes. We haven't if, talked about anyway, the quarantine. getting back on point to Andrew you yeah, and go. Yeah. human rights uh, matter that we that we were talking about with that client,
1: where he, where uh, it was refused, um, we we wrote a strongly worded letter um, in our humble opinion telling them where, where we thought they were wrong in the, in, in, in law. Um, we didn't we didn't we didn't particularly hear back about our letter, but um, we note that the client contacted us to so say that they he now been advised that that claim has been accepted.
0: Yeah, we didn't finish that story off. So th- their claim's been accepted. That's yep. wonderful news. Um, I know that I submitted um, a letter before I actually even met you. I'm sure I've told you about this, Rosie. But yep. I submitted a letter to the Human Rights Commission with all of the information of what happened to me and I got a, an instantaneous rejection. Really? Oh, yeah.
2: See, I, I put one in in February. I... um. I had a bit of a run-in with someone at um, a local shop and I'm sort of there, well, I've got an exemption. Why okay. are you giving me a hard time? And uh, this person who shall remain nameless said, I don't need to see your exemption. I want you out of my shop. And I said, well, just be aware. I will be reporting you to the Australian Human Rights Commission. I'll go ahead and do that then.
0: Yeah, and so nothing I happened.
2: No, yeah. no, they've accepted it. But wow. when they accepted it, they said, we are inundated and it'll be at least six months.
0: Wow. So, Peter, let's get back onto that story. What's where to next? Or is there anything, any other information you'd like to add to, to that the background of this story?
1: Uh, look, we're, we're just uh, of the view that it, it's probably at this point worth... Um um, having as many people as possible tell the human rights commission their stories as well, so that the human rights commission knows that um, there's, there's um, not just one person out there who's, who's upset about the human rights being affected. Um, yep. but it's actually a fairly large group. So we, we we would like to facilitate as many people as possible.
0: Um, I, okay. So the quick question is the question that I've got for both of you for for this and is. Um, just relating back to my story, I've already submitted something. Now, I think that was just the Australian Human Rights Commission and it was that long ago I've got to double-check. But uh, can I resubmit? Because um, there's a lot of people out there who have already submitted to the Australian Human Rights Commission.
2: Look, if they rejected your application,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, you can either argue the toss or you can resubmit and right. make them look at it again. You can add more details. Right. Um,
0: so that's a great, great. That's great. We've established that. So let's get. Let's just move things along along a little bit here. You, you, both of you two are looking to, um, as Peter's already sort of foretold, that you are going to be submitting these on behalf on behalf of clients. No.
2: No. Um, H- how what, do
0: people get involved in this then? To
2: so, what we had. Before um, the Human Rights Commission actually rejected this person's application, Mm -hmm. we had one online so that, you know, people would pay $400.
0: Is that through Free for Humanity?
2: No, this one's through Kimbrey Law. Okay. So So people
0: can fill out the form?
2: People can go through, fill out the form, and there was a payment portal And then I got the details and I went through the form to make sure that everything was filled out properly, that nothing got missed. And then I turned it into a PDF and sent it back to the person who would then submit it with any documents that they had listed. Yep. And I, I sent them instructions on how to submit and, of course, the very yeah, think first one. I it's important to say that our form wasn't,
1: wasn't just a standard application form. We had a, it had a detailed legal analysis
2: in it as well. Yeah, okay, so but
0: w- where are we going with this? Is this a service that you're opening up to people for now?
2: Yes, we're going to, to offer it again. And i had done, I think it's a 28-page legal analysis of all of the human rights in Western Australia mm-hmm. that were abused by our government so it's not just for people who lost their jobs. It is for grandmothers who couldn't go out with their grandkids. It's for people who couldn't go to funerals. Yes. For that's... people who who are affected by the suicide of a partner who couldn't see a way out. Yes. This is about all of our human rights.
0: Okay. So let's get into the Kimberley Law side of the discussion now. This is what we've really been leading up to. We've sort of talked about the background, everything – Now it's really about what what you two are doing with Kimbrey Law. And you've just said that you are going to open that up for people to start submitting. Um, How do people get in touch with you or how do they reach your online form to start this process?
2: Rosie? So the form is on hlca.kimbreylaw.com.au or you can just go to the Kimberly Law website and it's got the Human Rights Commission application link on there.
0: Okay, what's this HLCA?
2: It's HRCA, Human what? Rights Commission application.
0: Okay, so you, this is a page that you have set up?
2: We've set up a separate page where we have a fillable form.
0: Okay, for everyone listening, we'll put these links below in the description with any other information you need to, to join in this uh, application with Kimbri Law. Yep, fantastic. So, um, how otherwise, how do people get in contact with you just to... Uh, ask questions, what, what is it, how do you want people to communicate with you, because I know there's going to be a lot of people out there wanting to submit this um, application to the Human Rights Commission of Australia, and there are other things we're going to discuss, but first and foremost, while we're on that topic, how do people find out more about this? If you, you have a telegram chat, is that right? Uh,
2: kimberley Law has got Kimberley Law chat. On Telegram,
0: Kimberly Law chat on Telegram. Yeah. someone's phone's ringing, Rosie. I thought we'd discuss this. No, just jokes. Um,
2: it's not my fault. It's vibrating. Uh, well,
0: <laughs> yes, okay. Um, let's move on. So um, you got you both have Kimberly Law chat. Peter, is there anything you wanted to add to that for people that are thinking I'd really like to reach out to this to this law firm? Peter, are you there? Yeah,
1: sorry.
0: Uh, that's all right. We forgive can, you. They, you're in you're in another state, mate. It's all right. Although they call I mean, they call they us the while um, um, State. E-
1: um, email us on the website, or we'll do the contact us form on the website as well. Or they can,
0: or they can simply phone us if they want to. Okay, so all the contact details are on your website. Can you give everyone the website address, please? Oh,
1: yeah, it's. Kimbery Law to kimberylaw.com.au.
0: Right, okay. Yep. And, uh, yeah. uh,
1: um, and uh, obviously, we've got the Kimbery Law
0: chat on Telegram as well if, if people want to um, all have right. a general discussion there. Or, um, For everyone listening, what I'll do is I'll just ensure that all of these links are in the description below. I'm sure, Rose, you'll provide me with every piece of information I need. So please check the description in the podcast. Um, for those details everyone rightio so let's just move on really quickly i think there's one other thing you guys wanted to discuss in regards to some webinars that you're planning is is that right
2: uh, yeah we're looking at doing some paid webinars so that if, if one of the things that we've noticed and i'm I'm particularly aware of it because I was a client before I was a lawyer Mm -hmm. and I knew nothing about the law before I found myself in trouble and you are pretty much at the mercy of the first lawyer, you see, because you don't tend to go looking further.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I know from my own perspective I get a little bit bamboozled by this. I mean, I can talk, you know... Tech and all these sort of things that all the things that surround me in my life and, and the way that I've traditionally worked, but as soon as you start talking about law, and without understanding the key kind of the the kind of background information like. a word will have been defined in another piece of legislation, so you need need to understand the definition of words. Even though you think you know what they mean, you don't necessarily know what they mean in law. That's right. Uh, So there's all those sort of things. So for me, I get a little bit bamboozled by it all. Uh, That's something that I want to improve myself on because obviously in this day and age, if you don't understand, generally understand legislation at all, you are, in a, you are at a serious disadvantage. It's just the same if you don't understand that a doctor is trying to just sell you drugs rather than get you better. Not that all doctors are like that and I'm not sort of trying to paint every, or tar everyone with the same brush, but let's just be honest and open with ourselves. There is some serious meddling going on here from uh, corporate giants and overbearing governments so we all need to grow up a little bit and just open our eyes up and get ourselves a little more educated so that we can transverse this crazy uh, messed up upside down world that we all currently live in Sam. and you guys have got a solution to that and that is to open up this education program via a webinar
2: Or a series of webinars. A series of
0: webinars, yep. So your own little university course.
2: Well, you know, knowledge is power. And the more power that we put into your hands, the easier it is for you to tell us what we need to do for you.
0: Beautiful. I have
2: had clients where it's taken me up until about the fifth meeting before they finally tell me, something it. that I can use to figure out what their problem
0: is. Yeah, because, I mean, the the challenge is as much yours as it is theirs, right? So if I was speaking to you and you're going, oh, my God, Andrew, just tell me what I need to know. Well, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, Rosie, stop making this so complicated. <laughs> um, it, it's I can understand it from both sides. So by you and Peter putting on these webinars, your aim is to educate the people that you can then – work really well with because you want to turn also I would suspect that you want to turn everyone into their own little Aaron Brockovich
2: right um, so it, you... it's more that um, if you know how the law works for a start you are not subject to being at the whim of everybody who tells you they've got a great idea and yes. they know someone who will do it cheap
0: Yes, right? because and, the and, law
2: is anything but cheap
0: and all these movements out there uh, I don't want to put I don't want to hang anything on anyone, but there are movements out there, there are people out there that are saying they've got all the solutions and some of those solutions are based in some valid thoughts and, you know, there's, it's not all just ludicrous and crazy, but the fact is you need to be able to play the government and the employers at their own game. So by you it, um, becoming a little more, by you, I mean me, by the public becoming a little more educated you can then work really effectively with your law firm or your team to successfully litigate back. Or let's just say, even if we're not all successful, we all need to put up a pushback. We all need to push back.
2: Um, One of the things that we can actually arm people with is enough knowledge to know when they can't do it themselves. There's an awful lot of law that's actually set up so that you self-represent. Mm-hmm. And the courts, they have processes to assist the self-represented. And there's a whole lot of rules for lawyers when they deal with the unrepresented. Oh, well, righto. Eh? So if we can arm you with enough information, then you know at what point you really have to go and get Legal advice, yep. and I always suggest that even if you're going to self-represent, pay for the initial legal advice. A really good advice might cost you up to five thousand dollars. Yep. But, you know, that can be a really, really good advice that you can run the case on yourself.
0: Yeah, and that'll just get you started down the on the on the right path, at least. Uh, Peter, anything you want to add to that? before we get into what these webinars are going to be all about, did you, did you want to make any comment, Peter, about um, why people should join your webinars?
1: Oh, look, uh, the, this, just, to, just to give you a, a quick example, it, it may be something we, we would ask people to, ask for, to gauge interest in what people want us to talk about. But An example would be um, termination of employment. There, there's actually, for a lot of people, Depending on who your employer is, there's different options as to where where you can where you go in relation what, what your forum is to
3: to challenge an unfair dismissal, for instance. Yep. And
1: for instance, there's three different options with Fair Work. There's obviously you can go to the Human Rights Commission, and obviously if you're a state employee, you can go to the State Industrial Relations Commissions or the state um, or the, the state um, uh, equivalent of, of the Equal Opportunity or Human Rights Commission. So you've got several options, and they all have different time limits, different time frames and um, which option you need to take depends on your on your personal circumstances
0: so it would be good to explain to people what those different options are okay so that that's a great segue into the next section of of the discussion what, uh it sounds like your plan, although we haven't had, we don't have a program schedule yet, but it sounds like your plan is to um, create these webinars um, built up around certain examples, certain key examples. Is that w- where you're heading? Um, Peter, Rosie, what's tell me, what are your ideas so far?
2: It's always really good to run whatever it is you're trying to um, educate people on through real examples. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if you're going to talk about, you know, employment law, or you're going to talk about human rights law. It's always really good to actually look at an example so that people can get an idea of how all of the different legislation is linked. Yeah. Because everything's linked.
0: And obviously you are both dealing with this all day, every day, so you're going to have some pretty um, good ideas about very... Yeah, situations that are very representative to your key audience in this, so that we can. You know, I think the way you're you're talking about that's a great idea. I mean, I'd like to be able to join in on the webinar with um the mindset of what I've personally been through, so that I can really just concentrate on what the issues are at hand for me personally. So, your these are some of the ideas that you have. What I mean. What other example can you give us? uh... See,
2: one of the things that um, I learnt really early as a practising lawyer is people don't even know if they've got a case. Yeah. And I've had people convince me that they want to sue someone (laughs) and you're there. There's actually no law that's been broken. There's there's nothing you can do about it. And then they go off in a huff thinking that you're you know, pretty much, well, 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 you're a dead set useless lawyer, Mm. but, you know, there really isn't much that you can do about it other than, you know, put in a complaint to your counsel or something. Yeah, so
0: part of the webinars are going to help people understand whether they do have a case, and by the Mm. way, anyone that's suffered under these mandates, pretty sure you got a case, so don't start with a negative um, (laughs) outlook on all this. Uh, We've all got a case, Um, everyone, but we just need to Clarify what that case is, don't we, Rosie?
2: Yep. And one of the really important things to consider is the high cost of the principle of the thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So if you've got, if you're a multi-millionaire and you've got money to burn, um, happy, you know, for you to fund some of these cases because the principle of the thing is important. But well, if you've got kids to feed you've got a mortgage to pay, you've got all of the other expenses of living in the 21st century, Mm. I can pretty much guarantee that on the average matter you can't afford the principles because if you lose a case, then you don't just have to pay your legal fees.
0: You've got to pay the the
2: party-party costs for the other side. Yeah. Look,
0: I just want to sort of um, fill in the gaps with what you've just said there. Uh, I've made this point with quite a few people. If you're um, listening, if you're in the audience listening to this and you're quite wealthy, can I make the point with you that if we don't fight back against all of this, this incredible wealth that you have will end up being worthless anyway Um, the other thing is I'd like to say to people that uh, who have enormous amounts of wealth if you're against this issue if you're against the if you disagree with the government and the employers in these cases and you're not really actively working towards a resolution of this incredible scenario we find ourselves in then I'd like to say to you that the very least you could do is fund or provide some funding for the people who are in the fight, the people who are fighting hard for you as well as for other common people. Uh, So please consider that. Please throw some money towards this law firm. Make it available to people who want to undertake these legal actions So that they've got a little bit of financial support there because like myself, I'm not trying to say I'm a wonderful person or anything, but I'm fighting as hard as I can. I'm putting as much money as, actually, I'm putting more money than I can afford to put into it. Going broke here very quickly, everyone. So please consider supporting these initiatives. And again, if you want to support these initiatives, go to the description in this podcast below and check out the links for Kimbrey Law. Right. What other sorts of subject matter are we going to cover in these webinars? Peter, Rosie, Peter, would you like to add some ideas that you have about the webinars? Because again, everyone, we haven't got that all locked in. We don't know what the program is. This is a plan and we're really interested in hearing from the audience. Uh, We want a little bit of feedback from them and for them to give us the ideas for the subject matter. But just thinking of it loudly. What what, did, what what sort of ideas do you have, Peter?
1: Well, another one that Rosie mentioned was, um, it's not really mandate related, but um, well, there's, there's a couple of... It, another one would be explaining to people their, what their protected information is under the Australian Immunisation Measure Act so that they're aware of that and, what and that they don't have to provide their protected information if it's not... In,
0: to a authorised person. Yeah, they, they um, certainly don't... They're not obligated to provide that to their employer. That's an absolute... There is so privacy between you and your doctor. Do. Um, mm.
1: Another one that comes up a lot is um, um, what, what's called in Western Australia a, a violence um, restraining order. There's a lot of misinformation around those.
0: which which people may or may not want to have discussed. Right, okay. Um, Um, Peter, you've got quite a lot of background noise there, mate. Is there anything we can do about that just before we wrap up here? No? Um, I'll I'll see what I can do.
4: I'm
0: just just interested. I don't think anyone could really hear what you were saying just then, and that's all, and um, I'm interested in that point. Uh, Okay, it looks like it's we're all good to go can can you just repeat what you said about the uh violence restraining, ap- restraining orders. orders How does that tie into this subject? Hello um Rosie, can you address that with peter please um,
2: violence restraining orders um come about for all sorts of reasons. Right. And in the sphere of the mandates, it also kicks in because um, I'm not sure if you were aware that when we were locked down that there was an awful lot of domestic violence going on. Right. Because suddenly you weren't allowed to leave your home. Yep. You weren't allowed to go to a hotel. You could not get away from family violence if it was in your home. R- right, children yeah. who weren't allowed to go to school were suddenly faced with more family violence than before Look, because is, suddenly we're all locked down.
0: Yeah, and I mean, this is such an important subject. We, we just haven't really talked. I mean, no one really talks a lot about this. You hear it mentioned often. But continue, I think this is really interesting. So w- w- what's the point that Peter was just making with that?
2: I'm not sure where Peter was going, so I'd have to let him address um, it.
0: Peter, you're back with us now, mate. What was that? Um, can you just repeat what the point that you're trying to make about these apprehension or these violence apprehension orders? Is that what you call them, Rosie? Res-
2: violence restraining, restraining orders.
0: Well, the, the, um,
1: there can be a lot of confusion around um, if if you find yourself subject to one or needing to take one out. Then there's a lot of confusion around the process to do that. Is what I was trying to point out. Uh, mm-hmm. and
0: make assist people to have the
2: process explained to them. Okay. And there's some interesting things happening around violence restraining orders where if you take one out against someone, nine times out of ten, they'll turn around and take one out against you. And there's a lot of obligations when you have a violence restraining order taken out against you.
0: Okay. So for the audience, um we we're, we're talking about this because this is something that's very very common. Uh it's a, there are a lot of common misconceptions around that, and that's one of the subjects that you'll look at covering in the webinars.
2: Yeah, because it's because violence restraining orders are a lot more common than people realize. Mm. And the fallout for someone who has never ever threatened anybody else it can be really devastating.
0: Emotionally?
2: Not not only emotionally, but your work's affected. If mm. you need a clearance, like a working with children's check, uh, yes. a violence restraining order shows up on that and you can't go to work. Um, there's all sorts of situations where it comes up. There was a famous um, shooter who was training, I think it was for the Commonwealth Games. Right. And his former partner took out a violence restraining order against him.
0: Oh, this was not so long ago. This is yeah. just a few years ago, isn't yeah. it?
2: You're not allowed to have guns when you've uh, got a violence restraining order against you. Yeah, and,
0: the, and this person couldn't compete.
2: Could not compete. Had trained for years for it. Was top of the, the whiz-bang athlete in Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think... It was actually taken out as a retaliation order. So there was no basis for it from yeah. my understanding. I stand to be corrected on that. Okay. But I can assure you that any any um, sports shooter, as in a professional sports shooter who yeah, goes yeah, to the yeah. Olympic Games, yeah. does not do anything to get one of those against them because they know what the effect is.
0: Yeah, that's so but interesting.
2: they are abused... And so people really have to know what to do about them.
0: Okay. So you're not just going to be... The webinars are not going to just cover the straight up and down issues around the scandemic mandates. It's going to be... There's there's also an element to just common, regular, everyday life situations that are
2: going to be covered. um, Do people know that after 10 years, you can have a criminal conviction taken off your licence? There's a process for that. To do Most it. Most people don't know how to start. Yeah. And that is one of the things that you can do on your own. You don't have to see a lawyer if you can't afford one. Yeah. So we want to take a broad approach, but some of the issues we will we will talk people through in relation to the mandates. Yep, yep.
0: So this is going to be um, a very well worthwhile education program to join on to
2: well obviously we think
0: so (laughs) i think so too i'm going to join it Uh, i certainly need to know a lot more about these things um and i think this this is just the beginning I, i kind of see that you you two i mean i don't know how you're going to find the time to do it but uh number one planning out the webinar and producing it Uh, is going to be a challenge but then I think the secondary challenge is going to be once you get to the end of that, you're going to have a really, really good idea of where your client base is at and whether they need more training or not and I suspect that they will because you could probably continue to go on um, with these webinars for the next 10 years um, simply because and isn't it fascinating that all the things that you really do need to know in life aren't actually uh, taught in schools. Yeah. um, There's another conspiracy around that, and I know that's something that's discussed a lot, that has been discussed a lot even over the last just 20 years. The um, education system's got a lot to answer for, doesn't it, Rosie?
2: I mean, my sister's a a principal at a school, and the compliance and all of the hoops teachers have to jump through and all of the extras that have piled on, And there's just not enough hours in the day to teach everything. But it's like people have forgotten that, you know, maybe parents need to be teaching their kids some stuff as well. It shouldn't always fall to a school. And I think just about every week there's someone who writes letters to the editor, to the newspapers or, you know, goes on social media and says, oh, Kids today don't know this, and schools must teach. Yeah,
0: it. and I think um, I think this is one of the great mistakes that the global elite have made in in pulling this scam demic on on the, the entire planet, is that they've done it maybe a little bit too quick. They they needed to have everyone far more asleep than what they already have them, um, but now all they've done is to serve the people to wake up. And I think that there are so many aspects in life now that just people who haven't even put two and two together yet, the penny hasn't quite dropped for them, but they know that there's something very suspiciously wrong with the way the world's set up, and we're only just scratching the surface of it. I mean, we could talk for the next, you know, 3,000 weeks on this, <laughs> on that aspect of um, it, but.
2: One of the beautiful things about the law is that we will not run out of topics to talk about. Indeed. Because it is, Indeed. Um, I mean, one of the things, you would have to have a whole seminar series just on evidence, because you can say what you like. If you haven't got the be- the evidence to back up your side, but the other side has the evidence to back up their side... Mm. Which way do you think it might go?
0: Yeah, that's right. Which way is the judge going? F- which way is the judgment going to fall? You, you need to you need to be well informed and you need to be well prepared.
2: And you need to know what actually counts as evidence and what yep. can't count as evidence. And you know. And for anybody out there listening, um, you don't have to give a statement to the police. You do have to give them your name and address. Yep. But you do not have to make any other statements. That's right, to and you them. can
0: refer everything back to your solicitor yes. or your lawyer. Um, that's right. Uh, I used to watch on YouTube this um, English guy, and I can't think of the name. It, it was the something terrorist. But anyway, he gave le- he was a lawyer, but he was dressed up with the balaclava and the whole thing, and he'd give uh, you real world examples of situations when you're dealing with the police and how to respond to them and all that. Fascinating stuff. Fascinating um, stuff. And what I learnt was that uh, when when you get pulled over to, for for a speeding fine, the first thing they do is ask you how fast do you think you were going. You never ever answer that because you're putting yourself at guilt straight away. You always right. say I'll allow my lawyer to answer that for me. Is that right? Is that the right advice? I I, I don't ever think
2: about that. You know, I you,
0: mean, you know, but I've been
2: pulled people over. People like me do. See, the police asked me how fast I thought I was going and I'm there, well, actually, I'm pretty sure that I was doing um, 54 kilometres in a 60-kilometre zone. Right. And the cop looked at me and then he said, actually, you were going faster. And I know I wasn't going faster because my car actually reads lower.
0: But in a situation like that, that Rosie, let's just have this interesting little quick side chat. Um if, you, if he says to you, actually, you're going really fast, my response would be, well, I don't know about that, but I'm sure my lawyer will know. See. Thanks very uh, much, officer.
2: It's um, bit hard labor. when you're the lawyer and, you know. Yeah, but
0: but yeah, this yeah, guy,
2: yeah. I mean, he jumped out from behind a tree, which I found really fascinating.
0: Oh, look, so yeah. I
2: was already, you know, my funny bone had already been Look, um, this is
0: the other tweaked. thing, um, Rosie, talking about legal things, I'm sick to death of the government revenue raising on me. Um, I've had enough, and I'm sure everyone out there has had enough as well. So, look, Peter, can I ask you, do you have any final comments? Um, we're talking about the webinars right now. Do you have any, any idea of when you want to kick these off? Is there a timeline between you two? Um, is there any other plans that you already have? Um, we haven't really got a
1: timeline, but the sooner the better, really. Um... Right. Right. Really, we just we just want to we just we really just want to gauge on 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 a Telegram
0: chat basically which 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 is the most which is the most um, requested topic and start there. Right, so you're looking for expressions of interest.
2: Yep, essentially, and I think it's probably a really good idea to um, talk about it on the chat and then put a link to a page where we actually ask the curly questions and people can answer it on the Kimbrey Law website.
0: Okay, so, it from there. so we, we we want everyone to just initiate this whole process by going to the Telegram um, app and looking or searching for Kimbrey Law Chat. Is that two words, Kimbrey Law, or is that one word?
2: Uh, Kimbrey Law Chat,
0: it's three words. Yeah, okay, so Separate it's, it's Kimbrey Law Chat, three words. Uh, everyone that's listening, please... Check the description, uh, the, sorry, check the description below. I'm a little bit tongue twisted right now. Check the description below, look for those links, search the Telegram chat and express your interest in these webinars and add any any other uh, topics that you'd like to co- uh, to be covered. And then when there's a little bit more of a development, We'll maybe get back together again, Rosie and Peter, and and just talk about that and whatever other subject you want to cover. Sounds good. Sounds good. Peter, is there anything you'd like to add before we head off? Is there something we haven't covered that you'd like to mention?
2: I think we
0: covered everything that I was looking to cover today. Fantastic. Rosie, what about you?
2: No, I think we've covered everything and probably I said more than I meant to, but I think it needed to be said.
0: Well, I do too, and I I expressly hope that I haven't got either of you into trouble. I know everyone, it's a little bit funny, but Rosie's written a few little messages to me while we've been chatting. One of them, I think, was be careful. (laughs) So I enjoyed that very much. Um, Okay, so everyone, thank you so much for joining me today and for joining us, I should say. Um, This is a big initiative, everyone, so... Please jump onto the description below in this podcast. Please very much get onto the Telegram Chats. Make contact with Kimbrey Law because the initiative here is going to bear some fruits, some results. I'm certainly going to join in on the webinars, but um, we need to get a plan for what the webinars are going to be, so please do express your interest in the Telegram Chat or reach out via email, all those things so that we can move to the next step and actually get these webinars produced. And roughly timeline speaking, Rosie, we're talking about in the next couple of months, right, or less?
2: Um, yeah, next couple of months or less. To have I,
0: the first one produced.
2: I, I would hope to do it reasonably quickly. Um, We are not going to be able to afford to pay production costs, so it'll be, you know, what you see is what you get. But what you get is the law.
0: Yeah, but I think um, you're going to be able to get a fairly decent production going on. I think we can – I can help you guys with that. Not that I'm any genius when it comes to these things, but I think we can get something happening that's going to make it well worthwhile for everyone – um, and again, roughly, what sort of numbers are you going to be able to cover off on in these webinars? I think you were mentioning around a hundred people at a time, or are you going to run smaller groups I think that's important for people to know
2: i I think um we were looking at running the zoom webinars
0: yeah so with a with hundred people at a I, time I think so okay that sounds really good now in that in that general plan are people going to have the option to be able to ask questions
2: i would envision so right um but peter and i will have to talk about how we want to run want to run A Q&A section
0: yeah there's going to have to be some sort of mechanism where people can ask their questions and then you can get kind of a general consensus of you know are there 30 people asking the same question so we'll address that one and sort of Maybe the really obscure ones you can sort of skip over. But uh, I think that sounds like a good plan. I think we've got something going on here. So everyone, with that being said, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Once again, I just want to reiterate that I desperately need your help. I'd love you to become a patron. I'd love you to uh, download the Podbean app, install Podbean, follow me on Podbean. The reason you would do that is that uh, we do do a lot of live shows, although I've got a little bit of a pause on that at the moment, but we do do a lot of live shows. And I'd love you to be able to dial in or ask us a question via the uh, text messaging system built into Podbean. So um, also become a patron, as I've already said. We desperately need your funding, everyone. I just can't express that enough. So... um, Otherwise, thank you so much for being with us Uh, to head out of the show. I'm going to play uh, a song by a friend of mine, Kelly Newton-Wordsworth. This is Hold the Line, everyone. I play this all the time at the end of my shows because it's so relevant. And indeed, what we were talking about today is about holding the line, right? So everyone, please get on board with that. Uh, Once again, good night. uh, Not good night. Good day. And until the next episode thank you for joining us we
4: for bye we stand for our right to be free we stand-